Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBets. I am Ryan Noonan. Take advantage, 4 for 4, download the WinBet app today, risk-free $1,000 bets. Joining me as always here on our Wednesday game-by-game preview show, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Not much. I think that my body is like finally recovered from going to Vegas last week. Um, I made like a you know knee-jerk decision on Saturday when we were at uh, Stadium Swim over at Circa to extend my flight. Uh, another day. Uh, and so I went, ended up staying from Wednesday to Sunday night and I was hurting, you know, like I was, that whole flight home was hurting and the next few days are hurting, but now we're back. I feel more in my rhythm. It feels good to just be at home, breaking down the games rather than drunk somewhere in Vegas. So this is, is, is a good spot to be in. You also made a knee jerk reaction to fill in for John Daigle as my golfing partner on Friday. <laughs> um, and so the, it's a dry heat thing is really wild to me in hindsight because an oven is dry. Uh, but if you were to put your head in there, that's also very hot. And it turns out that golfing in like 115 degree weather in Vegas on a link style course where there is no tree coverage, a beautiful Vegas day, not a cloud in the sky was a uh, minus EV decision for both of us. I did manage though to almost finish 18. I snuck in, 16. Uh, Connor, do you want to tell the fine folks how many holes you managed to play? Yeah, so uh, we were rounding up hole seven, uh, and I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> good getting out of the cart there, and I'm feeling a little wobbly, uh, and I'm like, okay, that's not good. And then I start putting some ice on my neck, you know, and then I'm, I guess, to the point where I'm like starting, like my vision's moving, and, you know, I'm like, man, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. You know, I was feeling pretty good for the first few holes, and I was like, drop me off in the clubhouse. So I spent the next two-ish hours, hour and a half, just sitting in the clubhouse, you know, just doing nothing there because I, I couldn't do it. Seven holes is all I got through. And, I mean, I would say I'm embarrassed, but I'm not. You know, I just yeah, – I'm embracing it. Grinding props in the clubhouse. Stick to the spreadsheets. Yeah, that's what he was doing. He was – he was uh, found a way to work uh, after throwing up. So, you got to love that he, you know, puked and rallied for, for the business. So, I'm excited to uh, talk shop here for week two. Joining us is one of our teammates here at 4 for 4, an OG on the team, and uh, was really bringing it with his Flowbotics um, picks. It's just an insane article if you have not checked it out. It is the sauce man himself. It's Greg Smith. What's going on, buddy? Hey, not much. I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, can't wait to chop up these games with you. I, I We're talking beforehand. I hate the slate, but you know <laughs> we're going we're gonna to find ways to to make some money off of these games. Can always find a way. I want to remind you to um, subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. That way, you do not miss an episode. We now have two shows a week, both in podcast form and available also to watch on YouTube as well. Those links are below in the show notes. This is going to be again our weekly game by game preview. Again, where we're welcoming someone like Greg, smartest minds in the space, to join us, breaking down um, really the football side, the game by game, adding a little bit of a betting perspective to it as well. On Friday, Connor and I are joined. Weekly by Alex, aka Prop Stars, on Twitter for our Prop Drop Show. Um, that, the goal is to get you those props as soon as they hit the market. Um, our task there is basically to give you our four favorites um, and talk about a little bit of things that we're really going to have pop out on the weekend. Because as we sit here today, we're very limited in what's out there in the prop space, and we know that that is uh, a way that we can beat the book based on our projections here at Four for Four. Um, after you subscribe, take thirty seconds, shoot us a review. You're going to enter yourself into a giveaway. Uh, we're giving away a free four for four betting sub is a $179 value. That is yours for free. Uh, if you win the drawing and we're doing that multiple times a week, Connor, I believe we have a, uh, do we have a winner for this, uh, this week? 
Um, yeah. So uh, let's see here. So we're going to go. Where did with, you already reach out? I forget. Yeah, I think I, I already reached out. It was. Um, well, we'll save it. No more yeah. freebies. Yeah, we'll, do it, yeah. we'll do it on Friday. I didn't know if you had already reached out to. to yeah, the I'm pretty sure I already, I, already re, I already reached out to the winner here. I, I kind of spoiled it here. But uh, it, was, it was Brett. Uh, I, I don't know his last name, but, you know, he, he posted a nice, very nice review. So <laughs> thank you, Brett. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the betting sub is going to secure your access to literally everything on the site at 444. You're going to want to take advantage of that. Articles, tools, weekly rankings, projections, all the DFS content, uh, basically anything you would need to be profitable. Uh, in football. So head over to, to 444.com slash plans, find out how you can get it for even less. If you are a new prize picks user, we're, we're giving away the content. So uh, week two is really interesting guys. I mean, if you look back how week one went, dogs were the King. They were 12 and four against the number nine and seven outright, which I believe is like historic for crazy. Yeah. Just nuts. Um, overs also ruled the day 10 and six there. And week two is always a challenge, right? Like we've spent seven, eight months, looking into forecasting player projections and, you know, team level performance and all these different things. And we finally get like one game and everyone's ready to make these just declarations of what we saw last weekend is, is absolutely it. So there are definitely opportunities to take advantage in the marketplace. Um, Cause we have to decide like what's noise, what's actionable, what's confirmation bias. Like how do we leverage all these things? So, um, let's jump it off. We have a full slate, so we'll get right into it. First game here is the Niners on the road against the Eagles. Eagles are three and a half point uh, home dogs here, total at 50. Uh, basically, this is why we preach to get down as early as possible as you can. Uh, the Niners were seven and a half point favorites on the road in Detroit for months, and then really all week up until basically the weekend. Uh, and then some late action moved it, about eight and a half, nine in some spots is where it closed. And the Lions mounted the most Lions garbage time backdoor cover possible. I mean, the Niners were up by 24 with less than six minutes left, uh, but somehow snuck out with just an eight-point loss, destroying anyone who took the Niners on the weekend. Um, just brutal, brutal beats. Uh, Greg, kick us off. Give me your thoughts here on the, uh, the Eagles, who also really were a surprise, uh, outperformed our expectations, I think, heading into week one as well. Yeah, I'm worried that Philly looked good just because they were playing Atlanta. Like Atlanta did, looked out of sorts in that entire game. Uh, I'm generally in the Philly area. I went out to watch the games uh, on Sunday, and that you know that was on most of the TVs. And it was just like, what the hell are the Falcons doing? <laughs> like, how how is this how is this working out so well for the Eagles? Like, even leading up to that game, the three of us were talking about like which way are we leaning in this game? It was really hard to get a good angle, and then. The Falcons just didn't show up to play. Uh, but in terms of this line, Niners going east for an early start. They, they got the hook there at three and a half. Like, is San Francisco, even if San Francisco takes another lead in this game, are they going to take their foot off the gas like they did against Detroit? Like, I have a really hard time with this line. I, in general, prefer the Niners just because I think they're the better team. But I don't feel great about it. This is one of those games that I'd just rather not pick if I don't have to. Yeah, and you don't. <laughs> As a beauty, I know Connor, you have been on the Jalen Hurts train, and you know some season long bets, and really banking on it. You have to be feeling good about what we saw from Hurts last weekend. That offensive line entered Week One as healthy as they really have ever done in the last few years. Defense really showed up, and then you know Hurts kind of balled out. Obviously, uh, the Falcons are not a defense we're afraid of, but again, encouraging signs. Yeah, I mean, 
Devonta Smith looked as advertised, in my opinion, and uh, Jalen Rager was, you know, resuscitated from the grave that uh, fantasy owners had been had dug for him. Uh, but I mean, the offense as a whole, like you said, looked great. Uh, the biggest worry, I think, for both sides actually here is that they were playing two defenses, which are very, very likely to be bottom five units when all things are considered at the end of the year. Forty nine, the Lions' defense, I mean, just dreadful. Uh, and then the Falcons defense, I think probably could be the worst in the league, you know? Uh, so at that point, how much weight do we really put into their offensive performances? Uh, and that's where I struggle because this total is 50. Uh, but both, both of these teams defenses actually looked fairly good for most of the game until the 49ers collapsed. And we're basically just playing prevent for the final, whatever, six minutes and just letting the lines dink and dunk their way down the field, which seems like they're gonna do most of the time. I mean, Jared Goff refuses to target anyone besides a tight end or wide or, or running back at this point. But uh, beyond that, the Eagles defense looked great against the Falcons offense, which we thought would be pretty good. So um, I, this is, again, this is a stay away for me. I would probably lean over if I had to, but, you know, Greg brings up a good point here as well. 49ers traveling uh, east, playing early, like, you know, those kinds of things actually do matter for your circadian rhythms and your body clock. Like, the, you know, that's kind of been shown to be uh, a thing in, in, the, in the past, where especially if you're like trap games, you know, what they call it. So I would lean Eagles plus three and a half and the over on their team total. I like the over in this game. I'm going to be honest. I lean over in the war. I looked into it today. I, I, I think I'm going to end up taking it as a play. I believe I saw something too. And, and you know, Connor, I like, I, those are the little things I look for. Those scheduling advantages, those travel advantages are definitely like a, a huge part of what I get into. And obviously starting back-to-back road games is less impactful now than it is maybe in the middle of the season. I think that the Niners, I don't think they stayed East, but I think they're heading East early, which is an advantage. Um, but part of it is just this defense on San Francisco side. We talked a lot about how there are so many bad secondaries in this league. There are also that second tier of, of secondaries that have one anchor or one guy that they expect to be fairly strong and they're going to mask the rest of it with, with pressure. And that was really the Niners plan here. I think it was going to be Jason Verrett is going to be our guy. Uh, he was really strong last year and we're going to mask it with pressure and there is literally, in my opinion, no coincidence that that fourth quarter comeback happens immediately after Verrett tore his ACL. Uh, it was really rough to see. I mean, that guy is super talented and cannot stay in the field. He was in tears as he was getting carried basically to the locker room. Really tough watch. But there is nothing in the back half there. And if that Eagles offensive line, I know it was the Falcons, they do not get a lot of pressure. But if they're able to hold up and, and give Hurts a little bit of time, I think they're going to have open guys and I think they're going to be able to do their part to get to us to, to the 50-51 mark that we need. And the Niners just, they're such an efficient offensive juggernaut under Shanahan, no matter who's the running back, um, no matter who's in the doghouse or receiver, who they're rolling out there. You know, their team total is 26 and a half or so. That in itself is kind of appealing, looking at like a 27 being under a key number there. But I also think the Eagles carry their weight too. So I haven't made the play yet, but I have a fairly strong lean on the over in this game side. I'm kind of with you guys like, um, I feel like we might be overreacting to Philadelphia based on how they did just as you know, their defense in, in particular. Cause I'm not sure that that's a great unit, even though they looked fantastic last week, but Phil, I mean, like Atlanta basically like waved the white flag. Like they just ran it down the like, fourth quarter. Over. They just rolled over. And yeah. yeah. So if you're going to make the lead. case for the Niners here to cover the spread and maybe hold the under, yeah, keep, keep that Philadelphia offense in check. I think they do it through game script and through like a, a slow pace. Uh, if you look at the DVOA numbers from my game robotic spreadsheet on this game, uh, you'll see that Philadelphia's defense 
ranked a lot better against the pass than it did against the run, and that's not necessarily a good thing against Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, I'll be curious to see if we get a little bit more Trey Lance in this game as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that, that split is going to be fascinating to watch over these early weeks and, and seeing how it shifts between those two quarterbacks if they ebb and flow, if it just progressively moves more and more towards Lance. But I think if they end up going with you know more of that read option stuff and just try to grind out the clock, like that's the way that they win by four or more. That's the way they keep the game under. But again, Philly looked really good last week, even against the Falcons. We 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 have to give them credit for for performing despite the opponent. And again, that's why like on the line, I'm, I'm on the stay away. But if if I have to bet one thing on this game, it probably is just the over fifty. Like I think that's probably the, the sharpest angle here, um, even though I don't love it. Yeah, no, I agree there. Move on to the next one. Denver's on the road again, second time in a row on the East Coast too in Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville getting six points at home. This is another situation where. I'm mad at myself. I was telling you guys before we we hit record here that, you know, I, I've been writing the look ahead lines article for a couple of years now. I think it's a massive edge in the industry and um, these new books. Back in the day when Connor and I used to talk about this stuff, we basically had this really small window on Thursdays where the offshores would post Thursday morning up until Thursday kick and you get a, a sense of the look ahead. But now these the sports books, I mean, you could bet on week 17 games, week 18 games right now if you wanted to. Um, you'd be limited a little bit, but, you know, depending on your, your unit sizing. But um, Denver was two and a half in the look ads. And um, if I wasn't tucking up to go to Vegas, um, I didn't. I probably would have lost a ticket if I would have bet it in Vegas uh, by the time I returned back. But there's no reason this game – we would be all over it. It was two and a half. Uh, but now six is a little bit different. But again, pretty much perfect scenario last week for Denver. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves just comes out and controls it, plays really well. Obviously, the Jerry Judy injury hurts them a little bit. But um, he was really terrific. And that defense is what kind of what we expected. I know the Giants really didn't put up much of a fight. But this is really a top 10 unit if they can uh, continue to stay healthy. Jacksonville, on the other hand, um, did not go so well. That young defense we thought maybe would take a step here. Uh, surrendered 450 yards to the Texans, 37 points. That is, of all teams, the Texans, like we had no expectations of. So not a great start for Jacksonville, Connor. Um, are we still willing to lay the 10, or I'm sorry, the 6 on the road here with uh, with Denver? Yeah, probably. I mean, my, okay, so my only concern was that, uh, you know, we talked with Daigle last week that, like, it potentially could be a trap game for the, the uh, Jags, essentially. You know, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach going on the road, like a divisional opponent, like some of those things that, that could matter, you know, obviously did matter as they in a big way for the for this Jags team. But when it comes down to it, like, if you look at these teams from, like, a just a kind of categorical like team perspective and like looking at like player versus player and team versus team like I don't really see very many edges where the Jaguars have a leg up here um I mean the Broncos are far superior on defense their offense looks competent I'm pretty sure last last week they actually finished fourth in EPA in the league uh you know in in their efficiency against the Giants defense which I think you know is probably okay you know I'm not going to say that they're bad but uh, I think that they're they're okay and so in this one specifically, I like Denver here. Um, and I, again, I, I'm jealous that we missed on the closing line, but how bad are, I mean, I think we're going to really find out how bad the Jaguars are here. Uh, just kind of depending on how this game goes, because if they blow or blow this one out too, like, I mean, they could be in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. Not pretty Greg. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. I'm with you guys. Denver seems like the play, even at minus six, I'm, I actually wrote this up in my article for the week at four for four. I took the under on this game and and I don't feel great about it based upon how bad the 
Jaguars defense looked last week against the Texans, but I just see Vic Fangio and this Broncos offense being one that would be content to not really run up the score necessarily. Um, I, I don't know if that's actually the case here, but it does feel like it could just be Brandon McManus season in this game or season. Uh, and I, I have a hard time just expecting the Jaguars to do anything in this game. So even if the Broncos do run up the score, like are the Jags going to score enough to push it over 45 and a half? I don't, I don't necessarily see it. And I think it is important after week one, we talked about not overreacting or at least like planting your flag on certain angles that you do, you do see having some sort of inkling as to, to where the books are trying to trap us or fool us is important. And I think that the over under on this game might be one of those where we saw how many points the Texans hung on Jacksonville and you might look at that over under and say, oh, well, the Broncos are better than the Texans. They'll smash that. They'll do even better. Uh, I just don't know if every team is wired the same in that way. Like the Texans had everything to play for last week. That was their best chance to win a game at home against a terrible team. It makes sense that they pulled out all the stops and that they kept their foot on the gas the entire game because they might not win another one this season. Denver's a different beast altogether, and I don't think that they need to prove anything like that against Jacksonville. So I could see them kind of like the Niners did against Detroit, taking their foot off the gas, at least on offense, uh, and just letting their defense carry them through this game and, you know, on to, on to week three afterwards. What do you guys think about like a Jacksonville team total? If you can find like a 20 or even a 19 and a half, it seems like it should probably be closer than like closer to like 17 and 17. a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything, anything above 17 is my play. I was, I I'm with you. I'm with Greg's points. Like I, I'm worried that, Denver might have enough success where they would blow up the actual game total, but um, isolating this down. And uh, Pat Thorman had some really good notes in his um, his pace preview over at Established to Run. Like Denver really slowed down in the second half of the lead last week, and if this is a 60-65 play game, you know Jacksonville is going to be in a spot in a, like similar to last week where they're trying to chase in garbage time, but they're not playing the Texans' defense; they're playing Denver's defense, and that makes. Uh, for a real problematic situation for them. So uh, yeah, anything under, again, working on key numbers, just like we would for, for spreads um, 17 would be kind of the number here for me. If you can get a 20, then for sure. But I think you're going to find 19, 19 and a half, maybe even 18 and a half, but I'd still lean under on that for sure. Cause I think they're going to have, they're going to have a problem here um, moving the football and, and keeping Trevor Lawrence upright. Kind of, kind of gross one, but uh could be a corner TV game again, two and a half. Son of a, Ooh. Damn. Look at lines. It's free, guys. I mean, read it and bet it. Read it and bet it. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, next, New Orleans on the road against Carolina. Carolina, three and a half point home dogs spread at 44. Pretty strong debut for both quarterbacks making their first start for their new team. Um, Saints, obviously, in a massive way, manhandled the Packers, uh, which is probably the surprise of the weekend. I'm really not even entirely sure how it happened. I think those consecutive picks there, um, it was really like how they were returned, almost like punts down to like inside the 20 and just completely flipped the field and flipped the game in a big, big way, and things kind of snowballed from there. Um, on the other hand, the Carolina Panthers really rode Christian McCaffrey in a, in a massive way, which was great to see, really just handing the ball and, and targeting him with like nine, ten times, which was great to see. And they got a ton of pressure on Zach Wilson, so – um, yeah, Connor, give me off. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so 
This one in particular, I, I kind of like I like New Orleans a little bit. I also like Carolina team total at under 20. Um, I know that that might be a little bit contrarian, but they just shut down, you know, one of the best offenses in the league, or at least who we thought was going to be one of the best offenses in the league. Now they're facing a Carolina offense, which I know has gotten a lot of, you know, hype and it's been very intriguing. But in reality, I mean, this Panthers offense only scored 19 points last week against the Jets, which, I mean, they have nothing. You know, like they mm-hmm. have like literally nothing. And so, like, I really thought that that Panthers team should have laid, you know, been able to score – I mean, at least 21, 24-plus points against the Jets' defense, which had next to nothing. Now they're scoring off against Saints' defense, which, you know, obviously lost some players in the offseason, but uh, looked more than fine and more than capable against uh, what I would consider better offense. So um, I like the team total under there, uh, the Panthers, even though I know they've been, you know, an offseason favorite of ours. I just don't think that this is the spot to take advantage of them. Um, and But overall, though, Jameis, I mean, LASIK season, you know, he's back. Like, he looks good. I think this is the perfect spot to take advantage of them. I like Carolina in the points. Um, Really? Yeah. I mean, not only did they get just decimated in the offseason with all the guys that they lost, they lost Lattimore and Marcus Davenport last week. Those guys are both going to be out for multiple weeks. Basically, that's their two best defensive players on a team that lost a bunch of dudes in free agency. And then starting center, Eric McCoy, is going to be out as well. Like um, three and a half points at home. I thought these teams were pretty close. To start, I, I know that I was a little more bullish on Carolina than the market, and maybe a little bit more down on the Saints. But like catching th- the hook is what it is. I think kind of like three and a half at home in a spot where I think these teams are are fairly close. I think we're we're buying into a very pretty thirty eight to three score from New Orleans last week, and it really don't think it's necessarily who they are. So I think they have a harder time, and I think the Panthers left some points in the field. I think that's there's a little bit of one week variance in that. But uh, Greg, you get to break the tie. Yeah, so I jumped on the Saints at minus three when it was at that number. Doesn't uh, and, right. well, and, it, <laughs> and, and it's not three anymore, right? That's the other big thing that we have to factor in here is that three and a half. Like you said, that hook, like how much does that matter? And the case for it mattering a lot is that Carolina defense, in my mind. They looked pretty good, I mean, albeit against a pretty weak opponent. But we know that that was a unit that was ascending towards the end of last season, improved over the offseason, I and if you look at again their DVOA numbers uh, coming out of that game, they rank third in overall DVOA. Again, one week sample, big grain of salt. Uh, if you factor in preseason projections, uh, the defense doesn't look quite as good. But to me, even though the Saints lost so many pieces on defense, like I still think that defense is pretty darn good. I do like Jameis. I like the way that that offense kind of hits you left-handed. To be honest, like it's it doesn't seem like a very easy team to game plan against if you're the Carolina defensive coordinator. So I don't know. I just, I just see the saints as a better team here. I I'm taking them. I wrote them up as one of my best bets. And I admittedly, I got to it when it was only three. I still think I would take them at three and a half, maybe even four uh, past that. I'd, I'd be a little bit more tempted by Carolina, but at, at the number it's at now, I'm still on new Orleans. I like where your head's at. <laughs> Like, yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. I just, I, you know, I think there's going to be a certain point, and it might not be week two, where this these consecutive road games for the Saints are going to start to take their toll. And we might be a little bit early on that, but there there is going to be something to that for them having to fair. adjust to this new reality that they're going to have here in the first month. And you know, this is a, an actual road game that they're going to have to play in the division, one that's going to matter, uh, maybe not for the, the playoffs per se, but maybe. I mean, obviously, the Saints established themselves as a, a playoff. They're They're – playoff team their projected win total jumped almost like a, i think a, a game and a half between week one and and as we sit today so everyone's really buying it for sure um 
again, I haven't taken it, but I'm going to lean on the points. And I think that that's probably uh, the play for me. I'm just kind of want to, I don't want to give up some of my priors until I think that they're um, proven out a little bit. And I'm, I'm shorting the Saints team this year. What's your read, your guys read on the the game total here? 45 and a half or 44 and a half? I think it's pretty fair. Um, yeah, it seems like a good line. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. nervous about it. I mean, I'd lean under, but I mean, that's like, I mean, you're probably looking at like a, again, like a, you know, 23 20 game. It's like the under, you know, like, or, you know, 23 17. Sounds like I a guess. cover to me. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that would be a cover. Yeah. So 20, <laughs> I'll, I'll change, I'll revise that to uh, 20, 21 17. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm backing up a little bit. All right, move on. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders make a trip, uh, short rest to the east to face Pittsburgh. Um, you know, really nice spot kind of upsets for both clubs here. Great week one win for the Steelers after being really buried all offseason. They were able to kind of take a unique approach to Josh Allen and the Bills. Basically, went up front, uh, pressure with Ford, win, and sink everyone in, back in zone, take away the running and passing lanes for, for Allen. Um, the offense was fairly inefficient, but again, made some plays when they needed to. Took advantage of short fields on a fourth and one attempt that I have no idea what Buffalo was doing there. And obviously a blocked punt uh, return for a touchdown was a fairly large factor. We'll often swing games in the NFL, and that is what happened. And then the Raiders uh, destroyed my under, which was feeling like printed. The money was spent for a solid three hours there on Monday night on an under 51 uh, that game got out of hand in a hurry in the fourth quarter, but uh, a really nice comeback. Uh, basically, 56 attempts from Carr to Darren Waller, and that seemed like a pretty optimal approach to that one. But uh, Greg, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, six points is the number. Uh, 49 and a half is a pretty solid total. Yeah, I took this at minus five. I, I jumped on Pittsburgh. This does feel like one of those schedule losses incoming for the Raiders. Not only are they playing on a short week after Monday Night Football, that Monday Night Football game went to overtime. Like it was, like you said, high action in the fourth quarter. Like I have a feeling that that team's going to be pretty burnt out in that game. They lost their starting guard, Denzel Good. They lost their starting defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy. Like it just, it does not set up well for the Raiders in this specific circumstance. Like if you play this game in two weeks with both teams on normal rest, like maybe it's a little different. But I think based upon what just happened this past week, I I lean Steelers and and actually I kind of like them a fair amount, even at the relatively high line. Yeah, 47 was the total. I gave you the wrong number. Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I literally just – you made me go check the thing because I was like, God, I need to hammer the under on the Raiders team so <laughs> if I can find it above 21. Uh, I mean, if you, could still, if you can find a 21, even 20, I think, is probably a lean towards the under for me. And we discussed this actually on our offseason pods. Like, I think that there's – that question that we had about this Steelers team, you know, everyone is burying them, and I think for, you know, a lot of correct reasons, but I think that there was still a chance that they were going to actually be pretty good still. Like kind of like a fringe top 10 unit despite their losses. And like, it very much looks like it was uh, like they were last week. So, um, you know, I think that especially in this spot here, like for all the reasons you guys mentioned, uh, I lean towards the under. I also think that Najee Harris is going to get a lot of run uh, against uh, a Raiders defense, which, you know, largely didn't look all that encouraging. It just seemed like the Raiders couldn't pull through on third downs and, you know, drops and, you know, penalties. It just seemed like everything was stacking up against them where all they needed to do is get that one last play and it just never panned out. So, um, you know, Raiders got lucky. Uh, I'm a little bit butthurt still that the Ravens did not win and cover uh, for my bet, but you know, I, I'm just not a fan of this Raiders team in general. So I think the run defense here, particularly against Najee will struggle. 
Yeah, don't want to step on your guys' prop show, but Najee Harris rushing props will be very intriguing in this contest. Yeah, I hammered 55 and a half rushing yards last week, and if you would have told me that he wouldn't come off the field, I would have spent uh, an irresponsible amount and <laughs> would have lost. So, um, again, single-game variance, I think that probably changes over the course of the year. But, yeah, you love to see that type of usage, and those are bankable things that we want to be able to project moving forward and not get really tied up to the – singular outcome again that you know and this is not a Raiders team that we want to be afraid of or hesitant to to run on but they are an over team we have like this long stretch now of like a year and a half of them being like a massive over team part of it is like I think our expectations of them because I think they were like 13 and 3 to the over last year which was just insane and then they they did it again uh on Monday night so yeah, because they, I mean, for all the, the shit that they get, they didn't throw to Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards until the fourth quarter and just targeted Darren Waller like 75 times, like you said. So, I mean. John Gruden said he's the best player he's ever coached. <laughs> I mean, John Gruden does also the same guy who just gets excited about literally everything. So, I mean, he's, you know, his hyperboles and everything have just been uh, incredible dating back to his, you know, Gruden's grinders and his, his like QB camps and stuff. But there's, I mean, if you could, you could just old takes exposed, like literally every time he's been on air, pretty sure during the draft, he was talking of Johnny Manziel as like the best quarterback ever for like yeah. 20 straight picks. He's, I don't know how this team doesn't pick Johnny Manziel, you know, literally. And then none of them picked him until the Browns in the twenties, but still. That's Gruden for you. Your Gruden needs some work. You got to dust it off. It, it does. It does. It does. It does. It does. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it going. I mean, you know, maybe one day. We'll see. All right, next, the uh, Bengals are on the road in Chicago. Um, there's some variations out there. I think it's at two and a half right now at win. Um, total at 45. It's really interesting to see a team just get absolutely boat raced in week one and then host a team that won and then be favorites. But here we are. It's it's the Bengals, so that can happen. Um, the Bears are bad. Um, I, I don't want to overreact too much to last week's game against the Rams, but I didn't have a whole lot of uh, expectations for them coming in. You can not continue to trade up in the first round and mortgage the future on attempts to land a quarterback and not feel it trickle down to the rest of the roster it's just a really weak roster and i think they will continue to be exposed i don't know that this is a spot necessarily it could be overreacting to the Bengals taking advantage of a, a pretty flat showing from the vikings there um yeah greg kick me off what are your thoughts on this this game yeah i'm worried that the bears defense is just really really bad and they have this reputation i don't know based upon you know the, the whole monsters of the midway uh history of the franchise uh, and, and, you know, they do have some good players that have Khalil Mack. So, like, it makes sense that people want their defense to be good or expect it to be good. But they looked atrocious versus the Rams. And the Rams are good. The Rams have a good offense. So, again, grain of salt, got to throw it in there. But, yeah, I mean, the Bengals, this is setting up really well for them. I know it's a road game, but the spread is not too big. Like, I like the over in this game. I think that they're going to be able to put up points. And I think that the Bengals' defense is bad enough to the point where Chicago is limited as they are are also going to be able to put up points. So I, I really like the over in this game. It's one of my favorite bets on the slate. And if you ask me to take a line uh, on, you know, one team or the other, I, th- I think I'm picking Cincy plus two. I like it. I think you're going to see some uh, – yeah, I think you can see some points or at least see the teams move the ball. Um, little Andy Dalton revenge game here, Connor. What are your thoughts on uh, the Red Rifle taking on his old club? Yeah, I also to, I'm also interested in uh, Bengals team total over 21. If you're able to find that, or even 21 and a half. Um, 
for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I know that this team, this has kind of been like a, a trendy dog situation where it seems like the Bengals are getting a lot of steam. It was like three and a half at one point, moved to three, all the way through three now at two over at Friends at WinBet. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't really know what I'm missing. This Bears team looks so bad. Um, and maybe it was the matchup, though. I think that's kind of like part of the issue is that I don't want to overreact to what we saw against the Rams defense, which is obviously a lot different than uh, what we're going to see against this Bengals defense. So, yeah, I like the over here. I think that Dalton and them like kind of hung in there for a little while and looked okay. And then the wheels just really fell off in the second half. So, um, yeah, I, I lean over. I like the Bengals team total over particularly, though. You're going to be looking for some of these Bengal receiver props personally. Uh, T. Higgins, I think, could have a day. Uh, Tyler Boyd in the slot, I think, could have a field day here too. It's really, again, this is another one of those teams where if we're even that generous, we would say that Jalen Johnson, the second-year corner out of Utah, is their anchor uh, like we were talking about. But I don't even believe that that's the case. Really, the rest of the unit is pretty terrible. And if they aren't able to generate a pass rush, and things can get really ugly really quick against this Bears team. So I do think that they're going to be an over team down the stretch as soon as they pull the plug and move over to Justin Fields because Fields, I think, will be able to move the ball and uh, or at least have more success. And again, Allen Robinson will find more room to operate this week, obviously not dealing with Jalen Ramsey and that Rams secondary. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you guys. I would lean Bengals, but it feels kind of like the square side. Um, but maybe I just approach it with the team total as well. So I'll wait for those props on uh, on Friday. If I could push back on that notion of the Bears becoming an over team with Justin Fields under center, yeah. like I just worried that they would play really, really slow. That they would just fair. Know, run the ball a lot, grind clock, and that would be my one hesitation with kind of buying into that narrative. But again, if if they're moving the ball better, then that's maybe that's all it takes for them to start hitting overs. Yeah, or maybe the, their opponents will continue to be uh, over teams, and we can sure. we'll fish it that way instead. All right, next, the uh, Patriots on the road against the Jets. Uh, Jets are five-and-a-half-point uh, home dogs here, total at 42, 42-and-a-half out there. You ready for Connor Allen's just disgusting victory lap after just uh, whatever. Uh, Pats are the better team in week one. It doesn't matter very much uh, as it relates to uh, Connor and I's bets or any other bets I had on the Patriots last weekend, a very late costly Damian Williams fumble really great play by Zayman Howard really ball punch and falling on top of it um you know <laughs> yeah. stops the Pats from winning and covering but love seeing Mac Jones really just come out and perform really well crushed the over yardage prop for me in a big big way uh, 281 in a score for Mac but yeah I owe Connor a round of golf we had a bet um on the Patriots Dolphins game and uh yeah Connor victory lap your abysmal embarrassing <laughs> win uh i knew that you'd be just somewhere so pissed off because you non-stop the entire offseason were like the dolphins have been so good on third downs and their turnover luck has been so good and i think to a t like that's pretty much what happened it was they gave up yeah. 400 yeah. they gave up 400 <laughs> yards 400 yards and they two or through for 202 and they won yeah, but you know what? I thought actually, so to be fair though, I think that both teams are actually going to be pretty good. Like, I think that both teams are going to be above average this year. The Patriots, uh, you know, as it relates to this game, I think are in great shape. Like, Mac looked great. He was efficient. For the mar- most part, he was making good decisions. He was not pushing the ball downfield, but that's okay given the, you know, what they want to do. Uh, and their defense, I think, is 
mean, they stuck with the Dolphins really well, I would say. At least they're, they're receiving options for the most part. And I think the Dolphins are doing a good job scheming open guys. Like we saw Waddle in motion a bunch, like literally just running laps back and forth across the line of scrimmage, which is not easy to cover. And the Patriots were still doing a pretty good job of getting pressure on Tua and, you know, covering those guys. So um, I'm confident that both teams are actually able to, you know, beat the majority of their opponents here. And that that, that was kind of like a just – I don't know. It's a little too early to tell. So I, I like the Patriots here in this game specifically, though. The uh, the uh, Jets' offensive line is going to be dreadful. I'm pretty sure they, the stat was that Zach Wilson got hurt on two of 12 snaps after um, Kai Becton's injury. Uh, and you know, he was under pressure all day. Um, the receiving options outside of Corey Davis didn't really do a whole lot. I guess they got Keelan Cole back, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> but, you know, that, it's not enough, it's not enough it to be uh, to really move the needle at all. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Pats. It. I know you got it early, though. You got it at like three and a half. I, I mean, three I'm still interested in five and a half. What do you, you guys are on this the two, right? Yeah, three and a half. I, I get three and a half. I think it's still under six, to be honest. And I think mm-hmm. uh, Greg feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, you could even convince me six and a half. I, I might take that. That's that's a might be a bridge too far, but yeah, six and below. I think I'm still on the Patriots. Uh, speaking of that point you made, Connor, about the Jets line, twenty uh, seventh uh, against. The pass in terms of adjusted sack rate after one game, 22nd in adjusted line yards. It's uh, not good. Uh, not what you want to see. Uh, and, yeah, the Patriots defense looks real, real good. I'm excited to see what they can do in this game. Like, if, if you ask me, like, if I'm at a picks pool or something and ask me, like, which team is scoring the fewest points this week, I'm just smashing the button on the Jets. Like I, I, they might not get to 10 points. We'll see. Um, so I really like the under on the Jets team total. Uh, and I, I like New England, New England to win this game pretty handily. Yeah, uh, the Jets team total is one of my favorite bets of the week so far. Smashed that yesterday, uh, shared it in our Discord. And yeah, I, I think there's 18 and a half out there at FanDuel and Rivers, and the 17 and a half, I think it's still out there at you know, DraftKings and points bets. And anywhere under 17 um, or above 17, I'm sorry, is just an absolute hammer, in my opinion. I mean, the Beckton injury only makes things worse for the Jets. They weren't able to run the football or protect. Zach Wilson, like you guys outlined last week, it's only going to get messier here. So I uh, like that in a big, big way. And uh, these are numbers you can still bet, even though I have a three and a half ticket. Um, I think you can still hammer the five and a half and feel pretty confident about it. Uh, let me correct myself real quick. I was actually looking at uh, the Jets' defensive line numbers. Uh, they're even worse on the offensive line. Uh, <laughs> 30th in uh, adjusted sack rate after one game and 30th in uh, adjusted line yards. So uh, yeah, it's ugly. I was going to say, it, it almost seemed like I was like, man, I thought it would be worse. Like, you know, after what we were Third, third worst in the league yeah. after one game. Might get worse. Might even might not get any better. Well, it- a full game without backed in against a probably better, you know, the defense than the Panthers. So. Yeah, I think so. Now we can move on to Connor's fraudulent Miami team. Uh, they are hosting the Bills. Uh, they are three and a half points. There are lots of home dogs this week. Three and a half point home dogs, uh, total at 48. We know Buffalo, as we talked about earlier with Pittsburgh, Buffalo did not play well last week. Um, they did travel down to Southern Florida last year in September, which is typically suboptimal, I believe historically the, the dolphins have like a 70% win rate at home in September. Again, just it's unseasonably warm there if you're coming from upstate New York, but uh, they were able to handle their business in a big way, really against Miami bull times last year. I think handling them uh, by 40 uh, with the playoff spot in the line last year in December, they did win their matchup 
down there in September as well. But yeah, um, if Miami is going to keep allowing 400 yard uh, outputs from the opposing offense and winning with 200 yards, then uh, they have the magic beans that I have a hard time quantifying. But Connor Allen, you seem to have your finger on the pulse of Tua and the Dolphins. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I actually don't have too much of a take on this game. I would lean Miami at plus three and a half, but it seems like the market's actually moving towards three in most of these spots. I think it's like kind of a trap game for the Bills again, unfortunately, because I am I'm bullish on this Miami team as as we've talked about here, and the Bills, uh, you know, stumbled out of the gate, and you know they need to get back to their offensive ways, and you know, in a big way here. So, uh, I mean, maybe it's a get right spot for them, but on the road in the heat in Miami it doesn't really seem like. Uh, a spot for that to happen and i am i am co- pretty confident in this this dolphins offense but the total kind of already takes that into account here like you know 48 seems a little bit high like i, I would have been more interested in the dolphins team total at like 21 21 and a half 22 and two and you know a half or whatever you're looking at there is kind of tough so um probably just stay away from me even though you know i'm rooting for my my new favorite squad here in the dolphins so <laughs> it's two a time he looks good you can't even you can't even deny he, he looks he looks pretty good he looked fine yeah I, I'm not against Tua. I think that Tua is going to be solid this year. He wasn't um, great last week, but I think my I think New England's defense is going to be a problem for a lot of quarterbacks. So it was good enough to win the game, I suppose. I was a lot happier with like his mobility and like they're running a lot of RPOs and like you know, and now he gets Will Fuller back. So I mean, their offensive line is still kind of an issue, but the weapons and I thought him just in general was was hashtag good. So you know. Greg, thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I was with Connor on Miami last week. I, I liked them getting points against New England. It was mostly just because when I see two teams like that that I expect to have good defenses, you know, I, I expect close games. I tend to take the points. Uh, this week, you know, Buffalo's defense is not New England's defense, but Buffalo's offense is you know pretty prolific when it's firing on all, on all cylinders. Um, unfortunately, we did not see that from Josh Allen and the Bills in Week One, but. You know, there were signs that they could have done better in that game against Pittsburgh. I, I remember one specific play kind of early in the game when uh, Allen had Emmanuel Sanders wide open running down the field. He just overthrew him. Like, if they connect on that pass, like, maybe that's a much different game and maybe we're thinking about the Bills in a completely different way. Like, th- this is one scenario or one uh, team with the Bills where I'm not ready to write them off after one bad game. And I, I think if you had, you know, made this – a week one matchup with, you know, kind of just coming in from the off season and coming in only with data from last season, Buffalo probably would have been bigger favorites, even on the road than three and a half points. Um, so if it does drop down to three, I like Buffalo there. Um, but at three and a half, I am a little bit more tempted by Miami. Uh, that hook is, is kind of brutal in this case. Uh, with that said, I'm also a believer in the Miami offense and even at a total of 48, like I, I kind of like this game to go over because one, I think Buffalo could, put it back together and kind of make a statement here. And two, because again, I think the Miami offense is also good. I think they can keep pace to some extent. So I don't know if those two things line up, if like liking Buffalo and liking the over, uh, but you know, maybe, maybe I'll just be half right. One, one out of two ain't bad, right? It's not too bad. As long as the juice isn't bad. Uh, I'm with you. Like I, I feel like I, I feel like I have to be on Buffalo and I don't know that I'm going to take it in the, in the sense of their the side here. I think I'm definitely taking it in terms of their team total over, especially being under a key number. So I'm kind of hedging like you are, Greg, where I'm like, I can only be half rights, but like, I feel like if I still, I can still back my way into a win if Miami somehow puts it together here. I just think that I wanted alt over win totals on the Bills coming into the season. I just think that they're 
Defense is much improved. I like what they did in the offseason, running it back basically with a lot of the key guys, but then added some young guys at uh, defensive ends to add to the the pass rush. I think it's going to be a problem for Miami's offensive line. And yeah, I think that there were a couple instances, to Greg's point, that make us view both of these teams very different. Uh, late fumble, you know, if, if Harris punches that in, you know, they gave up 23 to a rookie. Uh, in his first game, and that was supposed to be, uh, you know, a great defense. And that's kind of my my argument against Miami is I do not think that they are a elite defense. I think they are probably an above average to middle of the pack defense based on EPA per play and DVOA last year. They just really were great on third and fourth down, and they led the league in turnover rate. And those are very very noisy in my opinion. And I think that they kind of regress. So I'm going to take the team total here on the Bills if I can get anything under 27. Don't you think there's something to the Miami defense, even if you don't think that they're all that great, at least being like well-coached and well-schemed? Absolutely. I'm I'm a fan of the front office. I think what they've done for the most part in the draft has been great. Um, I think Flores is fantastic. I think they the actual data like points behind it were so skewed that it feels unsustainable. So, yeah, absolutely. I think being good on third and fourth down is something that can be coached up but it, it just didn't fit an EPA per play and some of the DVOA stuff. Um, and again, 16% turnover rate was by far the highest in the league. And those things just tend to regress. Same thing with like, you know, one score games and some of that stuff. So I kind of want to bank again a little bit on my priors that I think this Buffalo team is, is top, top tier. And Miami is closer to, you know, 500 than they are in really being a, an actual contender to win the division. I think you're just, you're just a hater. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, dude, they were they were fourth in EPA last year, like seven seventh and seventh in past EPA, something like that. It was maybe it was fourth in past EPA, seventh in EPA. Like that's good. No, it was like seventh and eleventh in DVOA or, or no. something like that. Okay, well maybe in DVOA, but yeah. EPA they were they were good. Like I think they were legit good. I, you're just a hater, I think. You know, that's what it comes down to. It. Name me one pass head. rusher on Miami. <laughs> Jalen Phillips. Yeah, R- rookie who can't even like is not even on the field. He can't even like get snaps. One of the really know him because you bet props. You bet props, and they're in the draft. <laughs> it's the only reason you know who he is. Uh, Sorry, Greg. No, it's all right. Uh, I, was, I was stepping on you guys before <laughs> anything else. Uh, but one other small edge for Miami here: special teams. I, I know we don't talk about that a lot. No, it's true. But, um, that that is a, a a key point in some matchups. It doesn't always come into play. But um, on a one game sample, you're looking at a Bills team that's ranked 28th in special teams. Dolphins are ranked eighth. Uh, this, that's by DVOA. Um, I, I didn't look up last year's numbers, but I would imagine it's Miami was top three, a similar discrepancy. And again, yeah. that comes back a lot to coaching and scheme. And I, I think that that does matter in this case. And that is, you know, why part of why I like Miami last week was I just, I expect Flores to be ready to play against the Patriots. I expect Flores to be ready to play against the bills. I expect him to be ready against every opponent. And, and that matters to me. So it's, it's a small kind of narrative street type of thing that I'm leaning on here, but that, that is why, in general, I'm bullish on the Miami Dolphins overall. Um, but, again, I, I agree with you on this matchup in particular that, like, we kind of have to give Buffalo a little bit more credit for last season relative to what they just showed us when we won. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to carry on here is that they, their defense really showed up. They didn't – I think the Steelers had 250 total yards. Again, it was a, a block punt for a touchdown and whatever that backwards pass, fourth down thing that they tried to do at midfield, like, really flipped the game. So – um, Bill's team total over will be a play for me, I'm guessing. 
All right, next we can move on to the Texans on the road against the Browns. 12.5 is the number in most spots. Healthy total, 48. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your AFC South leading Houston Texans. Uh, We did not think that we would have that, but they were the only team in the division to to get a W last week. It is very likely that they are on the, uh, the 2020 Jacksonville Jaguars path here where it's basically they get that week one win and then do not find the winner's circle again at any point in the season. They might, again, still be picking first come draft season next year. But, uh, yeah, even with Odell out, the Browns had a nice showing against the Chiefs. We know that they were really up for that one after getting knocked out in playoffs, compiling over 450 total yards, nearly six per carry on the ground, and really hanging toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Or I'm sorry, yeah, with the Chiefs. It was just a great game. So uh, I don't really have a lot of analysis here. Two touchdowns. Basically, in the NFL, no matter who it is, is really, really hard. I just don't know how the Browns don't destroy the Texans here. And if there was any shot that they were going to look past them, um, it's very easy as a coach, uh, if you're Stefanski, to go in and be like, hey, they hung 37 on Jacksonville last week. we got to be ready. Uh, what are your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, we're talking about the best running team in the league against one of the league's worst running defenses uh, on the other side of the ball. We know that Houston wants to run the ball. Cleveland's defense has actually been kind of mediocre against the pass, but they've still been really good against the run. Like everything sets up for Cleveland to actually cover this enormous spread. Not that I would bet it, but I, I think if if I had to, I, I would lean Cleveland. Um, and I, I don't really know what to do with the game total. Uh, so I, if anything, I would steer more towards the the team totals. And I think, you could go over on the Browns here uh, and you could go under on the Texans. But again, I don't feel great about it because I don't think Cleveland is going to need to score that many points to win. Um, although after losing week one, I think they do have a little bit of something to prove here. And you know, the Texans are, are a doormat, so they, they might just run up the score. And, and so, yeah, I, I like Cleveland minus 12 and a half for what it's worth. Um, again, probably not laying much on it, if anything. And I mean, I, I think I might lean the over just because I think he, Cleveland could get most of the way there on their own and, you know, leave some garbage time for Houston. And I, I can envision that playing out in such a way where this goes over 48 pretty easily. Uh, but, you know, I, I hate games like this with, with big spreads. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Connor, I, I, give me your analysis. I also want to know what the Nick Chubb prop number is going to be here. What are your thoughts? So they actually, I'm pretty sure they released it. I think it was like 80 yards, something like that. Really? Um, when did yeah. they release it? Um, earlier today. I don't know if you've seen, but the, the prop markets have been, uh, you know, just, or at least draft, it's only drafting. So DraftKings and William Hill have decided, you know what, we're just going to erase the competition here and release props like uh, a day and a half before everyone else. So FanDuel has nothing up. And DraftKings is lined up like seventy five percent of the games. Wow. Um, As a, so, earlier, I thought they had like four games. Three they four did, games. yeah, they yeah. had four, and then they've had. It's been like what they normally used to do on Fridays. They started doing like today, which oh. has been uh, wild. So I've gotten down to some props in the four four Discord. Um, one of them actually, I'll, I'll give a little tip here. One of them being Jarvis Landry. I took the under in this game. They uh, uh, lined his prop at five and a half receptions and seventy one yards, um, which is uh, smidge aggressive. He's gone under that number. 87% of the time dating back to his last 17 games. Uh, and I get that no Odell in the matchup, but uh, you know, I really do think kind of like Greg said that they're just going to run the ball. And there's a team that, you know, when they get up there, no problems running the ball, like 60 plus percent of the time. Uh, and that's kind of where I see here, like the matchup fits 
that, uh, you know, they're going to be two touchdown favorites, probably winning by a lot, uh, like limit Baker's volume, just kind of get out of there with a win. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's kind of kind of how this game plays out here. And I don't think while they could be efficient on, on passing and offense, I think they probably will be. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be much volume for Mayfield in the passing offense to go around. Do they have any passing props for the Texans? I, I'd be uh, curious to see those numbers. They do. Yeah. What are you looking for? Cooks? Uh, Cooks and um, maybe Aikens? Just Cooks, 60 and a half receiving yards, and I believe it was four and a half receptions or maybe five and a half receptions, something like that. So Interesting. Yeah. We like, it seems like the over on Mark Ingram's rushing yards, or rushing attempts, I'm sorry, um, number is nine and a half. We have him projected for 14 and a half. Uh, that's at plus money too. So that's actually a, Fairly strong bet, according to our prop tool. Again, 444.com slash plans it is part of our betting sub. Take advantage of this. Um, also, Connor referencing how frequently or infrequently Jarvis Landry has hit his prop number. That is also a prop tool explorer stat. Uh, again, 444.com slash plans. Take advantage of the betting sub. Uh, tools are awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I hate, like I said, laying double digit points but i a couple times a year there, there there's these anchor money line parlay opportunities where you can get these massive massive home favorites or double digit favorites uh take their money line and then sprinkle in a money line that is closer to a pick'em or maybe a three-point game and all you're basically doing is buying down that one team's money line uh to a ideally a plus number and that's what i'm doing this week we will Save that for a little bit later on in the show. All right, next we have the uh, Rams on the road against the Colts. Uh, Rams, four-point road favorites here. 47.5 is the total. Again, another just kick me in the crotch, look ahead number. This was uh, two and a half last week. Um, I know Connor and I got a small piece of uh, number here, even in the preseason when the Carson Wentz news broke, because um, this was basically like Colts minus one, Colts minus one and a half uh, before the Carson uh, Carson Wentz news happens. But again, even last weekend, this was under a field goal. And I just, again, another team that I'm really shorting this season, I think is the Colts. I think that the, the coaching is terrific, but I think there are a lot of holes that I feel like are um, hard for a coach to really make up for. Now they're dealing with a ton of injuries. I'm not really buying this, this Wentz, Thing here, and I think that the Rams, even on the road uh, in a somewhat of a short week, are just the much better team. But Connor, what are your thoughts on this one, even at four? Yeah, I mean, quick shout out to our you know our spreadsheet guy Dan Rivera here because he's the one who pointed it out to me. It was just like, hey, Rams are minus one hundred eight uh, against the Colts in week two, and so um, I took a pretty big piece actually, to be honest, just because I mean, even even without any injury to Wentz and before all the stuff, I thought that. The Rams were a far superior team to this Colts uh, squad. So, yeah, I mean, even here, I'd, I'd lay the four. I'd consider laying it up to even like six and a half, seven. I'm just like really down on this Colts team in general, mostly the, with quarterback play. Like Wentz just didn't – he didn't look good last week. And I get that the matchup may have been tough, but I mean, he was constantly under pressure. And I think part of that was had to do with his own, you know, holding onto the ball a little bit too long. But it just – for me, it just like wasn't clicking, and I, I didn't like it. I, I, I'm not in on the Colts at all. And so I got this Rams team, which, you know, as we were predicting, kind of was going to ascend offensively and hopefully retain some of their defensive uh, strengths, seemed to do just that uh, last week. And 
So I, I'm really bullish on them, a little bit down on the Colts so compared to the market. So I think that you're able to get this at three and a half, four. Uh, I'd, I'd love it here as another play and be willing to double down. Greg, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, completely in lockstep with Connor. This is one of my best bets uh, of the week. I love the Rams. I am going to take every opportunity I can to bet against Carson Wentz while these lines are reasonable. Um, I'm surprised that this hasn't moved past four, to be honest, based on what we saw in week one. Uh, you know, sometimes we make this stuff really complicated, right? We look at all these different factors, but you know, when one team's quarterback just isn't very good and the other team not only has a great defense to play against that QB, but also a great offense to force the opposing team or the opposing offense to throw the ball with their bad quarterback. Like it just sets up really well for the Rams. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm with Connor here. I, I think you could bet this all the way up to six, six and a half. And uh, at, at three and a half, it was a gift at three. It was a real gift. And even at four or four and a half, I'm fine with it. Like g- give me the Rams in a big way here. This feels like a Rams team total over as well, right? Like if we are a little reluctant on the Colts, like they might not be able to carry their weight to get this total over. But I think we all feel that the Rams could get to 28, 30, 31 in a, in a pretty easy fashion. Would you agree with that, Greg? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, it should kick some butt. All right. Uh, another look ahead line that I'm going to be mad about Atlanta on the road against Tampa Bay. This is now 13 and a half. Um, 52 is the total. This was eight and a half uh, last weekend in look ahead markets. And then the Falcons completely no showed uh, in their home opener under new coach Arthur Smith, which was very surprising. Uh, I mentioned earlier, basically, they just ran the ball in the fourth quarter. They did not even try. It was kind of gross. We do not have high expectations from this Falcons club to begin with. We thought maybe that they could be an over team where the offense, especially under Smith and some of the things that he did in Tennessee, uh, might come over with. Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Matt Ryan might have a little bit of a resurgence here, even though Julio is gone and it did not play out that way, at least in game one uh, in Tampa Bay did enough to hold off the Cowboys. And um, there's no reason to believe that the Buccaneers are not who we thought they were heading into week one. Again, two touchdowns, Greg, really rich. What are your thoughts here? Yeah. And Tampa Bay has had extra time to prepare for this game because opening night for them was uh, Thursday night football. It's, it's really not looking good for Atlanta. If, if you ask me to make a case for the Falcons, I would play some real heavy narrative stuff and say, well, maybe the reason they look so bad against the Eagles is because they were ultra focused on the week two game against a divisional opponent in Tampa Bay. Uh, But like, who cares? Like you can't, you can't lean on something like that when they look so bad, so, so bad in week one. And again, I'm generally staying away from these double digit lines. I think this is obviously another one in your, your easy teaser uh, to, to bet Tampa Bay down with that tease. And I think, I think that's the way to attack this game. Um, Tampa Bay's team total here is enormous though. I like, I don't even think you can bet them over on that. Like if anything, I might lean under, uh, just to be a little contrarian there, but um, I, I kind of don't want any piece of this game because because we saw so little from Atlanta and because you know Tampa Bay is, is pretty good. You know, I mean, and actually they're very good. Who are we kidding? Uh, even if their defense didn't look amazing against Dallas, like that could have just been you know opening day week one sort of jitters there. Like I, I have a feeling they're going to put it together. Although I, I think maybe there's an argument that looking at what Dallas did on offense, you could make the case that if Atlanta was more focused on this game and that's why they played so poorly last week, then 
that's where you're going to see them like kind of sling the ball around. Like this is the week they activate Kyle Pitts. This is the week he takes some pressure off Calvin Ridley and they can kind of chuck it around. But like you look at the the line play from the Falcons, I just don't see it, man. I, I think if I have to take a side, I'm taking Tampa Bay. I don't feel great about it, but you know, Atlanta just looks like trash. Hate to say it. Yeah, Connor, anything, uh, any meat on the bone here for you? Uh, can't lay two touchdowns, but um, I think that the team total is actually about right. I wouldn't even mind taking the over here, just because, like when you in, like when you kind of like zoom out and look at what we're what we have from a team perspective, we have you know likely a top three to five offense efficiency wise against a bottom three to five defense uh, efficiency wise, and there that offense is also at home, um, and you know is very frequently scoring you know thirty plus points, so. Yeah, it's probably about right, but I think that there's a, I would say, a better chance than not that they end up in like the 35-ish range um, rather than like the 30 to 32 range. But again, you know, that's also very much in the range of outcomes. So would lean over there, but, you know, I, I think it's about right. Um, the the question is, is like, what is stopping a Browns-Falcon or Browns-Bucks teaser? Uh, you know, just like six points under there, getting them both, you know, under a touchdown. Um I think that that is going to be, you know, the most popular teaser of maybe the first half of the season, uh, arguably. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm crazy there. But I just, I just think both these teams are set up to succeed and win by at least a touchdown or more. But we've talked about two touchdowns. I mean, anything can happen. Jeez, the 49ers-Lions game last week was mm-hmm. a great example. So, Yeah, pretty popular teaser last week in week one. But, yeah, I'm with you. This is I'm not messing with the teaser per se yet. Maybe I do, but also just throwing this into a – the money line parlay, like Greg, Greg mentioned, this is a uh, second leg here for me just to take him as the win. Uh, we see crazy things happen, and uh, this this one is – we'll look for props. Connor's probably going to chase Ronald Jones' props in this one, knowing that he's a donkey and uh, probably supports Ronald Jones. Side note, you, you missed me tilting uh, in Vegas to Leonard Fournette becoming Christian McCaffrey uh, in the <laughs> second half because I had, you know – laid the house on Leonard Fournette under receptions mm-hmm. and uh, that was looking great because he had no catches in the first half. And then all of a sudden, you know, him and Ronald Jones both turned the ball over and, you know, no penalty for Fournette, but Rojo gets <laughs> in the doghouse for the entire game. And, you know, Giovanni Bernard apparently can't even play on third downs anymore. And so it was just a, I mean, outright disaster. I'm never betting on Leonard Fournette again. I, I can't, I can't even like look at this man anymore. So it's, it's, it was, it was awful. I'm sorry, he probably feels the same way about you. So it's all yeah, right. He does. I mean, he he wouldn't want to look at this beautiful face either. So it's, it's understandable. All right, we have uh, Minnesota on the road against Arizona. Uh, Arizona four point favorites at home. Another healthy total with the Cardinals. Fifty one is the number there. I, I really didn't know what to expect from the Cardinals entering Week One. It kind of feels like a top tier outcome, to be honest. I mean, Kyler was Kyler was really special, dominant, efficient. He was running again. Um, the defense was incredible, obviously, with you know Chandler Jones playing out of his mind. But again, like Tennessee rolled over the concerns that we had in the offseason about Arthur Smith moving on, even though he didn't necessarily take those successes and, and show them out with the Falcons. The Todd Downey offense and the lack of play action, the lack of pre-snap motion, all those things that we had concerns about kind of felt like we got a little bit of that Miami Tannehill and they don't have the defense to hang. It was just kind of, again, maybe – Worst case scenario for the Titans there. Vikings obviously stumbled, did not really do much against the Bengals. That's a game that they had an opportunity to still backdoor and win, but a late Dalvin Cook fumble there kind of blew that one. Greg, what are your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, so I, I'm ready to buy into it, Arizona, here um, after one week. I, I, I worry it might be an overreaction, but at, at some point when you don't really like the lines like I'm staring at this week, you, you still have to kind of take some stands on what, what you want to take away from week one and say, okay, this is what I believe in. And I, I think Arizona, you know, the improvements they made on defense are real. Uh, I think that Kyler is special. Like I, I have some, I have some prop action on him to win MVP from the preseason. I, I don't know. Like I, I see this matchup, and I think that Arizona, now playing at home, really has the opportunity to smash and kind of light up this this Vikings defense that is not that great. Um, with that said, I think that Minnesota is probably going to do a better job of punching back than Tennessee did last week. So on that note, I, I do like the over, and I have fear of a backdoor cover from the Vikings. But in general, I like Arizona. I like this game to go over. Um, I, I think if you want to play a little bit safer, you just take the Cardinals team total over, uh, and then you know don't don't sweat the the Vikings quite as much because there is a chance that you know Kirk Cousins gets made to look as foolish as Ryan Tannehill looked last week. If this Cardinals defense is as legit as it looked last week, um, and I, th- I think we might be there, uh, but. Yeah, I, I'm really liking the way this is setting up for the Arizona Cardinals. I think that the NFC West is kind of the class of the NFL right now. And honestly, can't wait till those teams start playing each other because those games are going to be wild. Can't wait to see the totals on them. Yeah. Uh, but here uh, at, at only 51, quote unquote, uh, I, I, you know, I like Arizona. I like the over. Yeah, every NF, uh, NFC West team going to win in week one. So, Connor, thoughts here on the uh, Vikings Cardinals? No, a lot of the same. My only note was on, on the over. I think that the biggest surprise was like the pass rush. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really too bullish on this Arizona team heading into the season, at least defensively. You know, their cornerback and secondary kind of looked like one of the weaker units uh, in the league. But, you know, their pass rush really showed out in a big way. So, um, yeah, I think that was a big surprise for me here. But still, I think that this game could easily go over. Um, you know, the Cardinals should have no problem putting up, you know, 28 or more, I think, themselves. So. Uh, probably lean over on their their team total specifically. Makes sense here. Uh, not a great feel for this one yet, um, but I might be buying the Cardinals too. I mean, this is another team though that is going to have to get it done defensively with the front seven. They've obviously you know added some free agents there. They've had an influx of talent through the draft uh, the last couple of years, especially in the linebacker and edge positions. But again, they're going to have to find ways to hide that secondary. And if they aren't able to get to Kirk Cousins, they're going to be in trouble i do believe i want to say tj uh, pointed this out a couple weeks ago that there are some one thing that we really don't get into and it's really kind of hard to quantify and because teams do such a good job at blending and disguising like who is more of a zone heavy team who's more of a man heavy team defensively uh the cardinals at least in week one were very man heavy and they were last year as well and there are some pretty drastic man versus zone splits for Kirk Cousins. And I remember when TJ actually was highlighting that point, he actually highlighted week two Cousins at Cardinals as an opportunity to buy low on Cousins um, just because he has historically been much better against man and that's their tendency. So there looks like I'll be attacking some maybe Kirk Cousins props here. Maybe it's the receivers, depending on what the prices are and what the numbers are. Or maybe I get in it with Greg and start chasing this team total. But uh, I feel like that's something that I want to try to continue to uncover uh, for us this year to try to find ways to to win that in the prop market or even in games. So we got to circle back with TJ and uh, see if we can get some some data points on that one. Uh, next, we have uh, Tennessee on the road against Seattle. Uh, five, five and a half, 45, I'm sorry, 54 is the total. 
talked earlier briefly about how Tennessee really disappointed. Seattle was one of my big winners last week. I absolutely loved the team total um, at 25 and a half against the Colts, and they uh, maybe sweated out a little bit. They got to 21 real quick and then just uh, threw it down into second gear and uh, maybe waiting, I think, until the fourth quarter to cash that ticket. But, um, yeah, I mean, two teams that could not have had different opening games here. Greg, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, I have I have a tough feel for this because I wanted to believe in the Titans to some extent coming into this season despite the loss of Arthur Smith. Uh, I really got burned by them last week on the, the Cardinals-Titans over uh, 52. They made it to 51 after three quarters, then didn't – no one scored in the fourth quarter. That was extremely, extremely tilting. Uh, here on the road at Seattle, I'm trying not to overreact to that week one game, but I have a hard time seeing it just because the Seattle offense is so good. It looks like they're going to play with a higher pace, and that Titans defense is so, so bad. I think that Seattle could just really control this game with their offense. Like, their defense doesn't even have to be that good, especially if Tannehill and company, like, don't put it together. Uh, So I kind of like Seattle, but I don't like the number. Um, I don't know. What what do you guys think about this game? Because it's kind of flummoxing me. Yeah, I'm not a Titans guy. Um, I was really nervous about the – change a coordinator as we talked about earlier and there was nothing in what we saw last week to make me think that this is that same titans team and again without any pass rush the secondary is a massive massive liability so um eileen seahawks here i think the total is a little high again knowing kind of what we saw last week with what seattle sometimes is willing to do um i just i need to see it from the titans first that we've seen one season of of downing as a coordinator in uh, in Oakland with the Raiders before the Gruden era, and it was not great. Uh, they ran the ball lots. They were not very efficient. Um, and to think just because he was on the staff a little bit that he would come in and not try to do his own thing is uh, at least for one game had been proven false. So, uh, Connor, what are your what are your thoughts here? What was the look ahead, by the way, on this? Um, I believe it was three, three and a half. Three, yeah, three, three or three and a half. half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's about right then. I just for me, it seemed like. Uh, I don't know, like a little bit of an overreaction. Just like if we, if we look at these teams and, you know, if they didn't play week one, uh, you know, we, we would probably look at them as like three point three points, but I'm not, I'm not betting Tennessee. I'm not excited to bet them at all because they looked uh, downright awful last week and Seattle's new offense looked kind of fun. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not really, I'm not really into Tennessee here, but I do think that the number just from a pure number perspective of like, we don't really know who these teams are yet. I think that, I'm interested in Tennessee a little bit, but not really. Like, I'm not betting it. So. One thing that might give us a little bit of insight, and again, one game sample here, but we did see a really big drop-off in pace for the Titans. They were a top three team in situation neutral pace last year. In week one, they were third slowest uh, among all teams, uh, and that kind of speaks to what Ryan was talking about. Um, and pulling from behind almost all games. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. It's, it's, not what you want to see when you're that far behind. Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why they were playing so slow. So, I mean, I mean, just that fundamental shift in philosophy kind of takes a lot of the excitement out of what Tennessee built up for us over the past couple of years with Arthur Smith. And it, it's got to be concerning here. Uh, but yeah, again, I don't have a great feel for this specific matchup overall. I'm just worried about the Titans in general. And uh, I mean, I, unfortunately I'm the type of guy who in fantasy, like was investing pretty heavily, like drafting AJ Brown kind of high, still buying into Julio Jones. 
lot of Ryan Tannehill on my rosters. Like, uh, it's not where I want to be. So, I mean, yeah. maybe I just got to start, you know, playing it the other way and betting against them, like, on these lines because – Yeah, uh, make that money back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think you can do it early, too. I mean, this is where you're going to do it. I mean, you got to like what yeah. we saw from Seattle, too. Like, they did a great job at slowing down Jonathan Taylor – um, they really forced them to use the backs in more of a passing situation than in, you know, handing it off and pounding. I think um, you know, less than like three yards of carry. So that was, that was really encouraging. If that can hold up sales, another team with a lot of questions in the secondary, but they can get it done sometimes with some pressure in the front seven. So uh, probably going to, to buy into that somewhere. Again, the total feels a little high, but man, I, I hate chasing, I hate chasing game unders. Um, they are just a bear. Maybe I'm just, still stinging from Monday night football's loss, but uh, you know, give me some team totals occasionally, but uh, game totals are, are tough for me. Maybe a leak in my game, but I uh, try to stay away. All right. Next one. Now uh, Dallas on the road against the chargers chargers, three point favorites here at home. Uh, they are in LA, although this will probably be a de facto home game for Dallas. The Dallas fans. Yeah. Dallas will be in, in full effect. The noted chargers disadvantage typically at home. This Total 55. I mean, I think it was like 51 and a half as it opened. There were some like 50s in look aheads. Uh, look ahead totals are really, they're, they're like, you'll see them and they exist. The number exists, but you go to click and go find it on the book. It doesn't really ever exist. So, uh, but interested to see that movement get steamed up pretty quickly here. 55 and, and a big, big number. Um, could not have gone better for the Chargers. It, they continue to, somehow do a, it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors i think but i also think that justin herbert is really good but they are fairly horribly inefficient on first and second down continue to do so they did it last year a lot and herbert continues to just do these miraculous things on third down uh, a lot easier when you're protected they did a great job with a brand new offensive line in a tough matchup on the road against the washington team that we all expect to be problematic for opposing offenses especially up front uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Is it get, is it chasing too high? Um, I actually probably still still lean over. I just think combined with uh, you know uh, the Chargers' offensive line, like you mentioned, like really looked so good. Now they're going to be facing a, a Cowboys team that's you know going to be without Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, um, and their defense is already going to we projected to be one of the worst in the league. So now you're like just when you add that all together, I think this Dallas offense really can compete against, you know, the best of the best uh, defensively. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it really matters too much in terms of the matchup. So I think that they're going to be able to, you know, hold their own offensively and that the Chargers are going to be able to run up the score here. So, uh, I mean, seeing like a 35-30 type of game, it really would not be surprising at all. Um, and I think that's – I like the over there a little bit. I think that the the Cowboys team total is pretty interesting at 26. Chargers team total at 29. Uh, I mean, feels high from like a median perspective. But, again, like I think that – they, they just don't have any, like, I, I have very little faith in this Cowboys defense to stop the Chargers, like, at all. Yeah, to my point, the Chargers were um, 31st in EPA per play last week on first and second down. They were second on uh, EPA per play on third and fourth down. That is, um, wow. it's great. It's just not. You know, you look for these things to try to be sustainable and bankable, and that's kind of what they did a little bit last year. And again, to Greg's point earlier when we were talking about it with the Dolphins, like there can, there's a skill there. We know Herbert is above average, and he's you know able to to do these things. But like, if you're going to continue to bank on these 
17-yard hitch routes to Keenan Allen on third and 16, then at some point the uh, the you know checks gonna come in the mail and it's just not gonna work. Um, they have to find a better way to be more efficient earlier in the game. Connor lays out some points that the Cowboys defense probably is not going to be very prohibitive in that, and that's why we have a 55-point total. Greg, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, another reason to like the over here is that pace from both teams. Again, these teams were both top five in situation neutral pace last year. Uh, there's, I had some questions about whether the Chargers would maintain that after their coaching change, uh, and after one week, both these teams ranked top ten. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see them continue to, to run at a pretty fast clip. And both these offenses are good. Uh, the Dallas defense is bad. The Chargers defense is, you know, just okay. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see uh, a lot of points in this one, one way or the other. Um, I do agree that that team total for the Chargers is a little hairy at 29. I think if you're, if you're thinking about betting that, you might as well just bet the, the game total um, and, and, and go that route. Uh, but I like the over. Uh, if you ask me to take a team here, I'm probably just taking the points with Dallas. Uh, but I don't feel great about it. Oh, makes sense. Um, should be a very, very, very <clears throat> popular DFS uh, matchup here to uh, kind of be an anchor game to uh, to end the main slate on Sunday. All right, Sunday night football. Uh, we have Kansas City on the road against Baltimore. There's another one. This was a uh, Chiefs minus a half, uh, even a pick them in look aheads, and now it's three and a half, total up to 55. Um. I'm also going to take, we're not going to talk about it because we'll do, we do special stuff for the Island games. We didn't talk about Thursday night football. We're not talking about Monday night football. We talked about the Browns. Uh, we talked about the Buccaneers. I'm also going to take the um, Packers on Monday night football. I'm going to take those three team money lines and I'm going to pair them with a Chiefs money line, um, 14 money line parlay. Basically what I'm doing is I'm buying that Chiefs money line down from minus 200 to about plus 145. Uh, depending on your book, and um, anchoring on the Chiefs, who I think have historically had the Ravens number. The Ravens continue to be a team that struggles to come from behind. Um, again, decimated with the injuries. We know what's happened the last month to that ball club. They have you know, losing Marcus Peters. I just think they're going to have a really, really hard time hanging with the Chiefs here. Uh, we've kind of seen this spot before. Greg, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you you hit all the points that I have here in my notes. Uh, it just seems like that year from hell for Baltimore – and and Marcus Peters' injury just looms really large over this matchup when you have uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey coming at you from the other side of the, the line of scrimmage. I I don't see Baltimore hanging around at this, and um, I, I like I like betting Kansas City against the spread. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that they're going to win this one. I love that money line parlay angle that you're you're playing there. Uh, it seems you know really sharp to kind of to buy the action to, to a plus number in that way. I, I think that that's a, a good way to do it. Um, I really just don't have much to add. I think you hit, you hit it on the head. Connor, any extra thoughts on this one? Any of the totals or uh, props that we're going to be targeting when they come out? Um, not too much on either. I would say though, that like strategically when teams go up against the chiefs, it seems like they either try and take like, one of two approaches, either like, you know, try and just like outrace them, which, you know, is not generally a wise approach. Uh, or control the clock and try and run the ball and like kind of control the game and keep Mahomes off the field. Um, and, you know, I think that, that the issue is that only works for so long as we've seen in some of the other games. And historically, when they're facing good teams that are able, well, they're actually like even remotely capable of, uh, you know, beating them. So, yeah, I think for this one specifically, like 
the, the Ravens defense just like isn't good enough to do that uh, at this this point in time. So I think that's what they would normally try to be doing. But so I, I, for me, it's kind of like I lean KC, but um, you know, Lamar is I, just consistently, I feel like performed against the chiefs in terms of like being able to come back a little bit, but like kind of stay in range. I don't know, maybe not, but I, I think that, I think this is actually an okay spot for him. It's going to be a good, great game. I, I'm just staying awake and enjoy it. Maybe get some props, call it a day. Mark Andrews props. That's what I'm going to be interested in. He played a bunch. His usage was wild in terms of like routes run and like how often he was on the field. Lamar just wasn't throwing him the ball. I think it had to have been like scheme specific in terms of the Raiders taking him away or like there's the defense they were playing because, you know, his usage was way up from last year comparatively. So uh, I'm, I'm interested in his props for sure in a game that they should be behind. I mean, that's the argument for Baltimore in this game, right, is Lamar just has to be Superman. He has to take this game over when he has the ball. And yeah, I, I kind of wish the Ravens would use him more on designed runs. I know that they do a fair amount, but, like, considering what's happened to their running backs and if, if they are going to try to control the clock, and I do think that's the way that you beat the Chiefs, at least with this Baltimore roster, like, you kind of have to put the ball in Lamar's hands more and maybe they just don't want to show that in the regular season. Maybe they want to protect him from a health perspective. I get all that. But if they're really trying to pull out all the stops and win this specific game, like I think that's the answer. I just don't know if we're going to see it. Yeah, I, we just haven't seen those things yet consistently. And I, we know that the Ravens are well coached. But uh, at a certain point, like they have to start to develop. And I know it's not it's the narrative for, for Lamar, but I think it's a narrative for a reason. Like, he, they haven't been able to push the ball down the field and into the boundaries. Um, I think he had like 25% of his pocket passes last year went outside the numbers. Like that's was by far the lowest in the league. Like teams are smart enough. They have all of that data. They are, there's a reason that Mark Andrews at times can be running all of these empty routes because teams know to bracket him. He is where they want to go. Um, they have to start to evolve. And obviously things get a little bit harder when you make those investments and a Rashad Bateman and things like that. And he is injured and can't be on the field to kind of change the narrative there. But yeah, I uh, feel good about the chiefs. And these things happen a couple times a year where you get these, what feels like really safe double digit home favorites. Like I don't have a lot of holes to punch in the Packers, the Buccaneers or the Browns. I guess you can make a case, you know, the Packers had a really bad loss last weekend, but I don't think we think very highly of the lions uh, to go in there on Monday night football to do too much. It really becomes that singular game that you want to focus on and, are doing is, is basically taking that money line parlay and um, moving the price. So I feel pretty good about that one. That's in our subscriber only discord. Uh, as of yesterday, you're going to want to hop in. You can get that again with uh, a subscription to our betting sub. Um, Greg, tell everyone what your favorite bet of the week is and where they can find all your stuff. All right. So my favorite bet of the week is the, Game total, the over in Cincinnati, Chicago. Uh, I just really like the way that game sets up for the Bengals. And I think that as bad as the Bears looked last week, they're going to be able to hang some points there. So so that's my favorite uh, on this particular slate. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. You can find my work at 4 for 4 under the, the, the betting vertical. I'll have my weekly picks against the spread uh, under the uh, Game Flobotics title. Uh, and if you want to follow at Game Flobotics on Twitter, I post my spreadsheet there for free every week. Uh, just gathers a bunch of different matchup stats, mostly from uh, football outsiders, a lot of DVOA, their pace stats, but also just the betting lines uh, and some some generic like points for points against sorts of, sorts of things. So you can kind of visualize the ins and outs of a matchup, try to see how teams stack up against each other, offense versus defense, pass offense versus pass defense, rush offense versus rush defense, 
Uh, I found it really useful for, you know, breaking ties in terms of fantasy football. Uh, and then it's become really handy for me in terms of picking these games. Like I'm by no means a betting expert, but I've uh, got a pretty good ROI over the past couple of seasons, just kind of like immersing myself in these stats, listening to other sharp people like Connor and Ryan and kind of, you know, building the case for these teams uh, against the spread. So um, yeah, come check me out. And uh, thanks again for having me on guys. This is a lot of fun. For sure. We'll do it again uh, sooner than later. We'll have the uh, links for those things in our show notes here. Definitely want to check out that. Like Greg said, like, we don't want to be, um, we want to present the data and the data can help you come to the conclusions on your own as you get used to it and start to make those decisions. And that's what Greg really does a fantastic job laying out for you and kind of under, you understand his process very clearly when you can to map out that game flobotic stuff. So uh, Connor, your favorite bet of the week before we wrap up. Uh, probably going to be, even at this point, you know, Rams minus four. I think that, you know, could be a good points betting opportunity and potentially because you're probably getting them at like minus five with the points bet bump. So, I mean, I think that there's a very decent chance that they just straight up run them out of the building. Love it. I still like New England at five and a half, even though three and a half was great. And that team total under on the Jets is something I, I think uh, we should take advantage of. So that does it for this week. We will be back on Friday with our prop show uh, with Prop Stars and Connor. So for Connor and Greg, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week.